0: What is up everyone, my name is Adnan Shafi and I'm going to be your host for the ACS podcast today. As usual, it is Black History Month. This is probably one of the last episodes that we're going to be doing for Black History Month in collaboration with the SU as well. And we have, as usual, Jane, who's going to be co-hosting with me. Jane, would you just like to briefly introduce yourself?
1: Hi everyone, my name is Jane, Jane Chukwu. I am the Vice President for Postgraduate Students at Cardiff University Students' Union.
0: Thank you very much, Jane. Always nice to have you. And now we're going to introduce our formal guest for this evening. Uh, David, would you just like to tell us a bit more about yourself, your background in engineering, and some interesting facts about yourself as well?
2: Hi, good evening, everybody. Uh, My name is David Waboso. I'm a a semi-retired engineer. I um, spent 40 years in infrastructure field doing lots of fantastic projects and uh, hopefully adding value to society which is why i wanted to get into engineering um as i said i'm semi-retired and i work as a non-executive director on the boards of a couple of major companies as well as advising some other smaller companies
0: okay thank you so much for that david and now we're going to get right into the podcast we're going to get into the the meat of the podcast uh but first of all we'll delve into your career a bit more Um, What sort of piqued your interest in engineering? Where did it all start? And um, how was your journey like through school, being able to pursue that path uh, to becoming such a great engineer? And what sort of challenges did you meet on your way uh, to that success?
2: I think the reason I went into engineering, I wasn't sure what career I wanted to do. I come from quite a medical family. My father and many of my brothers are doctors or in the medical field my sister as well so um, that was kind of where I was always pushing towards but uh I was uh very fortunate at school I had a very good careers master and, and this is a I guess a lesson for others as well and he actually spent a lot of time telling us as young kids I think I was 15 or 16 the types of career you could go into and he had some I remember he had some like videos or well in those days it was cine Camera films and it was it showed people doing various jobs and it was really good because it helps you understand what doing different jobs was and he showed pictures for me that really invigorated me. So he showed I remember he showed pictures of the Kariba Dam and described how that had been built, which is obviously a big, great, big hydroelectric project in Africa. And he talked about if you're a civil engineer, the fact you could have you could build these massive scale projects that really affected the lives of millions of people. And it really captured my imagination, and he said, you know, you don't have to work in an office all the time, which is obviously something as a young person I didn't want to do. You can be out in the field, you can travel the world. He said Britain was, you know, renowned for producing world-class engineers, so if you've got a British engineering qualification, you could, you know, you'd be in demand all around the world. And it, it really made me think for the first time that I wanted to move into that field, so I, uh, that's kind of how I decided to move into engineering, really.
0: Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. And yeah, I think uh, you are quite privileged to have a careers master like that. I think a lot of people sort of dealt an interesting hand in their high school years. And I think uh, obviously it's Black History Month and this is an Afro-Caribbean podcast. So I think we'll be focusing more a bit on people that are trying to undertake this process. And let's say they might not have such, uh, such a privilege in certain schools. Um, as a Black person, first of all, we'll just sort of get right into it. Um, have you experienced any indirect or direct racism uh, when it comes to this entire journey? Did anyone sort of discourage you or do you feel like you were getting different treatment compared to your white counterparts? Uh, if not, uh, have you have any of your colleagues experienced that? Uh, and just let us know the general uh, experience as a black person rising up in the field of engineering.
2: I mean, it, obviously, Racism exists in every part of society. I I, I don't think um, you can say that you will progress in life without experiencing some barriers and some prejudice along the way. Um, Having said that, I've been very fortunate. I want to say key points in my life to be given very big opportunities. Um, And and, and that's, I think, all you can ask for in life. You You want to be given an opportunity to compete on a fair and level playing field. And I guess at key points in my life, um, I was given those opportunities. And I learned early on that if you're given an opportunity, do not hesitate. Grab it with both hands. And whatever job you're given, do it to the absolute best you can. You know, I was given some pretty, I would say, you know, some tough jobs. Jobs that may, looking back, were not very glamorous. But you know what? I thought this is a great opportunity to impress the people higher up. And if I do it to the best of my ability, I'll get noticed. And especially earlier on in my career, that's what I did. And I, you know, the advice I give anybody is whatever job you're given, don't think this is beneath me. I'm too big for this. This is not what I wanted. You know, you're on a journey here. You know, you're at mile post one of a hundred mile journey. So just do it to the absolute best ability that you can and excel at it and you will get noticed and you'll get known as the person who can get things done. And then you'll get another job and another role it'll be bigger and better. So although, yes, there's no doubt I did experience some, some prejudice and some barriers, I was given some opportunities and I made sure that I grabbed them and worked extremely hard to excel. And I was then given more opportunities and I worked very hard to excel at those as well.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that insight. I think I'm starting to relate it to another podcast that we recorded last week uh, on the topic of employment and the fact that, for example, you might have Black people, generally they might have certain, um, you know, challenges that they're facing uh, in those certain working fields, but when it comes to, um, you know, the actual working world, you need to be extra patient and I think a lot of people are socialized, especially with these you know this idea of like you know university all that that's where it really starts it's like you know if you didn't go to this university you won't be successful in life and I think that sometimes people have socialized into that mentality and then they think that if you're sort of not going to these universities or you're going to uh, places or you're going to jobs whereby they're considered uh, traditionally in quotes beneath certain groups of people I think that sort of plays on the tricks of the mind and I think That's a very good perspective that you've been able to share with us today, and I think I'll definitely take a lot from that in the sense that you need to be patient and you need to have that grit to really be able to see things through. I believe Jane also wanted to ask a different question from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I do want to ask Zavo. I'm also very intrigued by the mention on the opportunities, you know, in terms of when you are given an opportunity, grab it and go for it and excel in it, whether even if it is beneath you, when you do good with that and you you perform greatly, more opportunities will find their way to you. So I'm very, very taken by that. And I do want to ask, you know, there there are some reports from Engineering UK, which found that there are only 8.1% engineers from the BME backgrounds. As someone who has served on boards about the teaching of STEM, and other subjects, what do you think is the cause of this?
2: Thanks Jane, that was a very insightful question. And uh, one I think that deserves a a pretty uh, uh, deep answer um, because I think it's very important. And the way I approach this is to say, you have to look at the supply chain, the the line of supply. And engineering, you need to have generally um, good A-levels in subjects that are pretty hard. For a lot of people, maths, physics, etc. And you know, you look at the number of people generally who do maths and physics A level. It's not a huge number of people anyway in the in the school school um, population. Then, if you start looking at the school population, say the number of BME pupils doing maths and physics is proportionately less. Um, so therefore, you start to get through the education system already perhaps not such a great supply now. I do know that has changed in the last, I, I don't know, five, 10, 15 years. And one of the things we now have to understand is that is no longer such a challenge. We are having a lot more BME students and pupils coming through with the right number of A-levels and going into engineering. Then you look at the next stage of the supply chain and say, will those people who do engineering degrees or who want to get into engineering, will they get the good engineering first jobs? Well, you know, my, mile, my first mile post, if you like, And that's where you have to start saying, is there a fair recruitment process? Are the best jobs going to the BME students who come out of universities and colleges with good degrees? And uh, then you go to the next stage and say, are the people who get onto the first career ladders, the first five years, are they being retained in the industry, you know? And there's a retention challenge. And then you go through the middle career and are saying, are people who apply for Uh, promotions in the middle ranks getting the top jobs so you have to look at the whole supply chain from left to right and then you have to start dissecting it and saying at what point um, are people falling off that journey and I think that's where there's now a lot of focus being given by uh, employers and organizations to say we need to look harder at our processes for recruitment and promotion to make sure that we give the right opportunities, back to my earlier answer, the right opportunities to people from all backgrounds. And I think that's a discussion that I I feel has really moved forward in the last couple of years. Um, So I think there's no doubt that historically, and you know, speaking from my experience, historically, there weren't always the opportunities for people to progress. I think the good news now is that employers and organizations are much more aware of the barriers that may exist for people from BME backgrounds to either apply for and get or to be promoted into good engineering jobs. And I think that's where there's never been a better time in my experience for um, people from BME backgrounds to get into engineering, because I think there's a huge appreciation now of the talent that's out there and the roles they can play. Now that's not to say that we live in an ideal world. We don't. You know, so I keep going back to my first answer. There are opportunities. You will be given opportunities. Just make sure you grab them and you do very, very well and you work very hard. Then I think you'll be given more opportunities. because I think there's a greater awareness now of the challenges and maybe the barriers that existed in the past.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that answer. And I think the fact that you mentioned the supply chain really puts things into perspective that there's gonna be challenges at every single stage in your journey. And I think um, when we talked with Professor Emmanuel about the employment and the labor market, you see a lot of different issues whereby, for example, your job, I mean, your your manager might be afraid to give you certain pieces of feedback because they're afraid of you know being called racist, for example. And I imagine if, for example, that's happened in a couple of weeks and then from weeks it becomes months and then becomes years. The amount of feedback that you've missed out on is the amount of growth that you've also missed out on and also relating it to the amount of people that are sort of getting these degrees. I think it comes from two main areas. When someone has that degree and they're just about to apply for a job, uh, Professor Emmanuel told told us about this idea of ethnic penalty, where for example, you might actually have a degree, but because of the recruitment process, whereby it's not necessarily a blind application, you might find that someone actually isn't picking you, even though you might have the same qualifications as let's say a white counterpart and you might not exactly get that job and I think I'm going to just mention one more point and it lead me to my next question I think quite smoothly Um, this idea that I think through the media through the way history is taught I think young children especially from the BAME backgrounds are going into schools and they're being raised in these sort of situations whereby they don't have enough black and um, yeah, BAME models, essentially, especially black people, right? You don't essentially have a lot of black role models in this field that are being taught about, right? Although there's an abundance of them, even in the past, right? If you look at hidden figures, you know, they were sending people to the moon, doing like, you know, very, very difficult calculations to be able to make that moon mission happen. We have so many different black inventors that are out there that we could go on and on about. But obviously, what we see is that in the school system, a lot of these uh, students are not really being exposed to all of these different ideals, all these different people. And I feel like what that actually does subconsciously is it subconsciously discourages Black students uh, from being willing to, first of all, even take these A-level courses to be to even think that they can uh, be able to take up the challenge of this, obviously, difficult degree. And I think actually what I've heard by some from some of my friends that were living in the U.S. is that um, sometimes the teachers were reinforcing this where subconsciously they'd be like, oh, no, I don't think you should do engineering. You'd be more suited for this career, even though let's say that's their passion. Right. So this sort of leads me to my next question. Uh, You've obviously done a lot of advising on STEM boards, you know, how to teach STEM. Uh, especially to multicultural groups of students. So in what ways do you think we can actually better the educational system and put role models from specific, uh, let's say specific groups of people so that young people can be inspired to you know, enter these roles of you know, engineering, et cetera. What, what more can be done in the educational system to allow every single young person who has an interest in engineering to feel like they can actually do it?
2: I think a lot has been done and I, you know, I, I'm always a believer in half full rather than half empty. And I want to celebrate and praise the work that has been done. Um, and no doubt there's more to fill the glass. But I think there's a lot now of uh, awareness in schools, as you talked about, Adnan. there's a lot of awareness in schools that they need to provide and show role models across the spectrum, you know, and, and, and show people of all backgrounds that they can get on. So I, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of awareness now in the education sector that you know rather than pushing kids into certain kinds of roles they need to say to them you you can be you can be the prime minister you know you can become a secretary of state you can become a doctor a lawyer an engineer an accountant you know or it's quite okay if you want to go and actually you know be an electrician or a roof tiler. you know these are all noble things to do i'm not saying everybody has to be pushed into becoming you know a rocket scientist, but I think that they, they, there's a greater awareness now that kids need to be given the opportunity to reach the top. And I do think you're right that um, the um, the role models that are out there who have, you know, because there are not, they're not, they're still not as many as there should be, because, you know, we have a historical imbalance. And I think you're quite right that the role models who are out there should be, you um, you know, made more visible in the education system so that they can be pointed out to kids to say, look, you know, this is the kind of thing you can be. It is possible. And that's that's the greatest thing. It shows that it is possible to make it to the top, you know. So people like Lewis Hamilton in, in motor racing, you know, just by being there, he has made a massive statement. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to say anything just by being there you know Tiger Woods in golf just by being there so I think you know this this awareness of the kinds of um, success that you can achieve if you are talented and you work hard because you know those people would not have made it they hadn't really dedicated their lives to their their sport or their profession I think that awareness that you can point out these role models and just by pointing them out to kids, it, it just, it, it lifts them up. It lifts them up to say, wow, it is possible to break into areas that perhaps I hadn't thought I could break into, and I can reach the top. But I, you know, I will just, again, go back to my earlier message. I think you've got to tell the, the young kids though, that it takes hard work. You know, it, these people have, have literally dedicated their lives to becoming the top of their chosen professions. And it's not just, you know, you get in a car and you point in the right direction and press the accelerator or you pick up a golf club, or in the case of professions, or you just, you know, you walk into a a hospital and say, I want to be a consultant, you know, or you walk into an engineering organisation and say, I want to be a director. It takes decades of applied work and as well as your talent. You know, you have to have the innate ability. You've got to couple that with the ability to work hard and just keep going and keep going. And I think there's never been a better time to, Get into these big organisations or these professions because it is possible to reach the top. There's more and more examples now of people who have reached the top of these professions, you know, from different backgrounds. So I think it's it's, it's you know it's, it's, I think it's it's an optimistic time in my view.
0: Yeah, wonderful answer, Jane Would you like to add anything?
1: Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned the, um, the influence that all this important figures have in terms of, you know, for the fact that they have gotten to that extent as much, and they have done a lot of things just by being there. And on that note, uh, in terms of studying black history, what do you think, uh, do you think it is as much important for us to study figures within the history, like within the history for uh, in, in, you know, with the understanding that if we teach our children about figures of important past celebrities and present celebrities that have done excellently well in certain fields, just like um, in engineering and in other fields, basically, technology and all of that, health, healthcare. Do you think that this would convince more BAME students to pursue different careers in STEM and in different careers in, in engineering and tech and all of that?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 Jane, I think that's right. I think, you know, you sh- you know, we should be uh, telling the youngsters that, you know, and telling them about um, how people have made a big difference to the professions and, and, and reached the top. And yes, I think that the more we can show the successful role models, um, the more we can inspire the next generation to want, t- it just shows it's possible. It, you know, maybe in their heads, they're thinking the doors are closed. And by just putting these role models out there or this, the stories of success, it just shows that it is possible to, to reach the top. So yes, I think we, we should do that. Absolutely.
0: Um, and actually speaking on that topic, um, are there any specific engineers or, you know, anyone in these fields that you you look up to and did you have any mentors on your path as well?
2: That's a really interesting question, you know, because, as I said, I think right in my introduction, I, what I had was people who um, were, were instrumental in giving me opportunities and who I learned from. And I, and I you know, and these were people from all backgrounds, by the way. I mean, I was, you know, I, 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 I think it's, 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 it's important to point out that the people who gave me some great opportunities, were, you know, were English people and, and, and people, they, they, you know, they, they, they saw, um, they, and, and, you know, even at school, my Welsh schoolmasters, you know, um, they, they saw um, talent in me and, and they gave me an opportunity. So I, I, I didn't have, because of my age and where I came from in the sense of, you know, I was born in the fifties and I grew up in, 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 in Gloucester in the sixties and seventies. You know, and it, I didn't have thousands of, of role models of people who looked like me. I had a small number. And that's why, as I said, what, 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 what stands out for me is there are, there are good people across society. And they were, that some of those gave me huge opportunity, believed in me, gave me opportunity. Um, and I was able to learn from these people. And as you, what happens in life as you progress you realize that you, well, there are many models of success, okay? So this is just one model I'm giving you. I'm not saying this is unique. But what I've done, and I know that some other people do this, you, you, you act, you, you're a sponge. And when you see somebody who is good or who inspires you, no matter what background they come from, you absorb that particular skill that you like, that you think is important, whether it's somebody you see that they're chairing a meeting in a really good way whether somebody's handling a very difficult situation in a way that impresses you, whether it's somebody who teaches you a particular technical skill, just be a sponge and absorb all of that. And what you you become as you get older, is you become that person of 50 to 100 different people that you've seen throughout your career who've taught you. So you find yourself in 10 or 15 years time in a very difficult situation Maybe with a contractual dispute, maybe it's a meeting that you're chairing and people are not behaving themselves properly or they're screaming at each other or whether it's a particular engineering problem that you think, how would I solve this? And you find yourself drawing on those experiences that you've learned from in the past. So I've been very open in saying, whoever you are, if you're talented, I'm going to learn from you and I'm gonna absorb that skill and I'm gonna put it in my bank, in my, in my, in my storage unit, and I'm gonna unashamedly draw from that as I get on. And I found that to be very useful. So I know that's a long answer to your question, but I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, yes, it's great to have role models of people who may look like you and be from your particular background, but I think you have to be quite eclectic. I think you have to be gathering experiences and lessons and techniques from everybody you meet because there's so much you have to learn and there's so many things and challenges that you'll face in the future and that's just the way i've approached it i'm sure there are other models but i just wanted to share with you that's my particular model
0: yeah i think i mean i've I've definitely heard that from a lot of different successful people because in a sense your life is sort of like a mosaic art piece that you're just slowly putting together and I think that a lot of people when they think that for example um, one door of opportunities shut they somehow think that the other ones also close along with them but I think that there's a lot of wisdom in getting experience from any field that you can even though let's say for example you applied to your first engineering job and you didn't get it and you have to work as a barista at a starbucks for the next year you never know that you could actually learn certain skills and maybe you could become a manager in the future and your interactions with your starbucks manager could actually allow you uh to to get a different perspective on what being a manager is like so i definitely that's a view that i really like to uh, like sort of hit home with the viewers. And I think it's something I'm trying to apply to my life uh, as well. And I think um, what I'm going to ask now, I think is more related to what you mentioned about the fact that obviously you grew up in the sixties and you, you sort of had a situation whereby you had very few uh, role models that looked like you. And I think um, it sort of speaks to the current reality today. For example, it explains that statistic that we looked at from Engineering UK, where there's only around 8.1% of the engineers that are from the BAME community. And I think that as time goes on, of course, I'm starting to see a few landmarks being hit where you find, let's say the first black uh, leader of this faculty in a certain uh, you know, uh, well-known university leading uh, a sort of, um, let's say a research project uh, on engineering, or you'll have, let's say uh, the first black Um, you know, engineered to be published in a specific journal. And I think that that's sort of something that we're starting to see more and more often. So what happens, I think, from my experience is that people go onto platforms like LinkedIn or people just mention it and they say, this is the first black person to do this. And I see a lot of people, um, specifically white people that have obviously established themselves in these fields, that sort of, I'd say, gaslight this sort of celebration, right? When you see, I mean, my, my question, I guess, would be, Um, When you see black people enter these fields and they're making these landmark movements, like I believe in the US one woman just posted recently that she's one of the 3% of the architects that happen to be black in a certain city. Um, So do you think that these things should be celebrated? And what is your response to the people who tried to play the, oh, don't play everything about race card? What's your opinion on that?
2: My opinion is you're trying to get me to trouble, aren't you? (laughs)
0: That's the idea is not to.
2: <laughs> no, I, listen, listen, I mean, I think you have, to be, you have to be sensitive in the way that you celebrate. Um, and of course we should celebrate. But I go back to something I said earlier on, which is, you know what, just by doing well and being there, you're making a statement anyway. And sometimes you don't have to broadcast it and jump up and down. It's not like people won't notice. You know, and, and, you know, I'm not, I mean, speak personally, I'm not a huge user of social media anyway, um, that's probably to do with my age, but uh, I, you know, if we go back to the kids in schools and stuff, what's important to them as a role model is to see people in positions of influence or authority or, you know, power or people who've been successful. That's the main thing, you know, and, and whether some of the big names I've mentioned, but you know, across the professions. I'm not sure that they will necessarily um, make more of a difference and an influence to the the role modeling by constantly broadcasting on social media that they are the first this and the first that. I think they will get their message by being there and being visible to be there. Um, Now that doesn't mean when there's a huge success and a huge milestone, it shouldn't be celebrated. But I'm just saying that I think there needs to be a balance and some sensitivity around, you know, don't don't over celebrate every single thing, but obviously celebrate the things that matter. But I guess I'm, you know, everybody's different. So it's not for me to set out what people should or shouldn't do. I don't think that's my you know, why should I tell people that I guess my my opinion, though, is that just by being successful, you will make a statement. And that's often
0: enough. Yeah, I think that's a powerful answer because I think in these times of polarization, balance is probably the answer to a lot of different uh, different things. And I think obviously now, I think race is playing into a lot, uh, I mean, a lot of different decisions that are taking uh, you know place, not in, only in the political sphere, but in the sphere of business. We're seeing it in all different kinds of spheres. So I'm, I'm definitely sympathetic to the view that you hold I think uh, what I would try to say, though, is uh, in response to the people who do make those statements is to also sort of have some sort of understanding. I think most people think that there's been equal opportunity afforded over time, but I'm sure you can attest to that. There's a reason, for example, why there'll be a shortage of. Um, engineers in a certain field, for example, because they haven't really been given this like, you know, same level of opportunity compared to other different people. So understanding, for example, why that means a lot to a community can actually really go uh, a really long way in terms of building community and realizing that, yeah, this is just proof that, for example, we have things that are actually working in society. We're getting more equality of opportunity. We don't necessarily mean that we want uh, you know, proportionate amounts of jobs depending on the population, but we just want to see that idea of this equality of opportunity, and everyone is getting accepted regardless of any of their background. So, I mean, Jean, did you want to add anything to to what we've just discussed?
2: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it's absolutely right that if 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 there are, um, as you say, if there are sort of some big gaps in representation and people from a certain community have 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 succeeded and done well in 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 maybe being the first of a you know of this professional that profession absolutely then that should be celebrated but I think the context as you said is very important and I think the way you celebrate it is in that context you know and I I I think you're right that there has to be some sensitivity and balance in this because what you don't want to do is 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 over celebrate and therefore you know turn off people you know, this is, it should be about success and celebration. It shouldn't be about anything negative. So I think the context in which it's celebrated should be explained, you know, um, but I, you know, you, you've probably said it better than I could.
1: Yeah, um, you know, on, on the aspect of celebrating your successes as much, um, just add something, you know, not, apart from not everyone being you know, given the same opportunities really, almost like individually. I just believe that when people celebrate their success it's it's it might be from you know a point of they have had like a lot of failures in something and this is one success that you know this is one thing that they finally succeeded in so it it kind of beats against them maintaining that balance as well so they tend to just overdo it but it's not they might tend to be sensitive with the whole conversation but you know it just in celebration of this one time that they became successful at this, as much, and you you mentioned something about you know, um, in terms of having ce- uh, celebrities that you know influences um, that have like that always you know contribute hugely to our our career and our life as as kids and all of that, and that is very correct like very correct, because I could remember growing up and having to pay back to ben Carson as much because it, you know, just seeing someone that looked like me and seeing someone that is within the BAME community, being a neurosurgeon, and at the same time, um, he was living with a disability that he was dyslexic. And it just, you know, it's kind of made me think on the aspect of if Ben-Carsing could do this, I think, I believe I have no reason not to be able to attain to that point, to, to aspire for something like that as much. So I, I could I could very much relate to that growing up as a kid. So at this point, Well, um, one of the things um, at one point in your career, you did some work on the African continent. Now I uh, want to know what do you think are some of the solutions to the infrastructure gap currently facing? Being
2: faced in Africa. Yeah, it's a very good question, Jane, and it's a very important question. Um, and I, you know, I, I've been hugely um, impressed and, and, and happy to see the progress that's been made um, in, in infrastructure provision in Africa over the last decades. I think it's it's just very, very, very impressive how much has been done, you know, and it's, it's changed people's lives. I mean, I, you know, somebody once told me the story about. Um, you know, telecommunications and how how the whole mobile phone um, revolution, because it was a revolution, just just overnight changed the lives of people who are now able to avoid queuing at banks and writing checks and depositing money with, um, you know, those slips you used to fill in and banks wouldn't be open all the time and you had to travel to the branch, you know, and... Instead, you're on your mobile phone, you're just able to tap a few keys and move money around and do it wherever you are and whenever you like. And, and just a simple thing like that has just revolutionized, revolutionized the lives and the economies of communities. And, and that's a great example of how I think, you know, infrastructure, that, which in that case, you know, in, you know telecommunica- telecommunication, telecommunication mass and optical fiber, and switching centres um, has just enabled people to to to, to leap leap um, decades of you know old-fashioned process, and, and you know I think that's happening now in other fields. So you know it just shows that provision of infrastructure, I often call it life systems now. You know it's life systems. You know basic systems like water, uh, electricity, communication, connectivity. Transport links, you know they, these these infrastructure life systems. How important they are to enable people to live their lives to the fullest and to, for economies to to develop. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that now. But as I say, it's it's just been hugely impressive. I think the strides that have been made, and it's uh, it's just made me very happy to see that.
0: Yeah, I think <clears throat> um, just to give it a bit of context, you know. Um, after colonialism, one of the the major effects that actually uh, wasn't quite great, I think, was the fact that there was an infrastructure gap in between countries. So what you'd have is that there's a lot of infrastructure in many African countries you'll find going from the capital city to the coast. And you won't find uh, similar infrastructure going to other countries around, or you won't find the same thing for going to other different cities. So I think obviously this is really powerful. And I think when it comes to intra-African trade between African countries, I think that number is down to 2% because of the lack of infrastructure. So definitely, I think it's one of those things that are uh, one of those things that are really important that the African continent really needs to work on in terms of infrastructure. And thank you so much for being able to help out on that Ghana project and the water supply. Um, Those are very very good projects that you were doing. And actually speaking of which, I think I wanted to just ask a question in relation to the diaspora. We're seeing a lot of this rhetoric of the year of return. And I think one of the main, um, you know, motives or behind this is to get a lot of educated people that are obviously living abroad, highly educated people, people with a lot of experience to come back to the African continent and to be able to create new opportunities alongside, you know, African brothers and sisters uh, to be able to create a new future for the African continent. Uh, what would you say in response to that, knowing that you've now already gone to Ghana to, to help out with one project?
2: Well, actually it was Nigeria, not Ghana I helped out, but it, it, it doesn't matter, the theme is is, is the same, the, 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 the comments you made are valid. Um, look, uh, I, I, I think it's very important for uh, people who have African or Caribbean ancestry to support Um, in any way they can the development of those continents and those those countries you know I have in the past um, as you said I've worked in in West Africa um, but I've also supported um, you know through speaking and uh, mentoring um, engineers from the West African community but I've also supported um, you know uh, people and uh, infrastructure in, in the Caribbean, you know, uh, because uh, I have strong links with the Caribbean too. So it's it's great to, I think, support the African and the Caribbean economies um, through the skills and expertise you have. And as you said, uh, I have uh, in the past worked in, in West Africa, but I've also um, supported, I hope, the development of the Caribbean. I have very strong links with the Caribbean. And, um, you know, whether it's through, um, talking to people, giving freely of your advice and your help, writing articles, advising people. I think anything you can do is, is, uh, from my experience, is hugely appreciated and can make make a big difference. So there's now a a wealth, if you like, of experience in the diaspora. And I think it will be a very good thing for, for, it's very good that we can support the growth and the development of those communities.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. I think in relation to, you know, I love to see people coming back to the continent, uh, you know, reconnecting with their roots. And I think that they'll obviously be welcomed in the sense that there is so much opportunity. I think if there's one person that I'm thinking about, it has to be Akon. Um, You know, the the musician, he's definitely done a lot of work in regards to something like Lighting Africa, where he's trying to provide, you know, renewable energy sources for uh, rural areas that don't necessarily have um access to their electrical grid so they'll be able to power their own houses their own heating through solar panels and i think it's going to be wildly successful and the same thing for Acon city we're seeing a lot of <clears throat> infrastructure coming up in a lot of different areas and like you know everyone's hearing about the Akon city which is like a smart city it's going to be running on cryptocurrency uh we're hearing of um I believe it's Atlantic Eco City in Nigeria as well. That's a huge project. So I think for my, my message to the diasporans uh, uh, you know, out there as well, uh, that we have a lot of opportunity uh, on the continent. So that's definitely something uh, we should look into. Uh, Jane, would you just like to ask the penultimate question and then we'll close
1: off? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, well, one of the is- major issues in terms businesses, charities, projects, or any type of intervention really being implemented in the continent of Africa is the lack of understanding of the continent. This usually reduces the sustainability of this intervention and projects. Now, um, my question is, you have any tips that you would give people that want to undertake similar projects or, or want to start businesses in Africa on any scale at all?
2: I think that's a very insightful question, Jane, um, because obviously you need to understand the environment in which you are making an investment. And I, you know, I think the whole sphere of international development and how you make you know, what they call impact funding has changed a lot. And I think there's a much more, much greater awareness now that it has to be what I call appropriate Um, to the environment you can't just transplant something that works in one place and put it in another and that's true across any infrastructure system by the way you know there are there are commonalities and things you can do but they have to be appropriate and tailored to the individual environment and whether it's the you know the um the usage of the facility whether it's the way that people are going to interact with it whether it's the climate um you know whether it's the um the the uh the local standards and the rules you have to be very aware of what you're doing and obviously i think most importantly engage with local people because you know you have to make sure that they they are the ones who actually implement the solution you can't just sort of take an army of people from one place and put them somewhere else i think you have to be working with the local community to make sure that you get that local um uh, will willpower and the you know the the acceptance, if you like, of the solution that you're putting in. But um, I, I, as I said, I, I'm, I'm so pleased to see huge strides being made across Africa and the Caribbean um, in, 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 in making these investments work and, and making sure that the undoubted talents of people locally are being deployed to actually apply these solutions um, to make sure that they are successful. Because you know history is full of projects that have been turned on, but because you haven't got the local... Um, you know, users, if you like, or the local culture to, to take on those systems and to make sure the systems have been tuned in to that, that they don't work as well as they should have done. So I think there's a much greater awareness now that you have to adapt those systems and involve the local communities to make them successful.
0: I think, yeah, that's a wonderful point. In relation to actually connecting with those communities, I think uh, one of the main reasons why many projects end up failing is mainly because you don't really know the context. I've heard stories of people going to build wells and hear of these like marvelous charities, you know, £12,000, build a well in Africa and, you know, like it's really sort of glamorized. And uh, you find that that well is only, it, it sort of breaks down because you're not using the right materials. Yes. Um, and I think these are all very pertinent questions that uh, everyone needs to ask. Um, if we sort of make sort of an, uh, an analogy uh, in relation to all fields, I think, regardless of what work you're doing on the continent or even just in general, anywhere, it's very good to understand the social dynamics, um, the weather dynamics, all these different things. Uh, they really matter in how you're going to implement your program and hopefully make it successful. So as we've come to the close of our podcast, I'm just going to ask David to quickly, just briefly uh, give us a small wrap up. Would there be anything that you want to leave the listeners with uh, before we close off and we'll go to Jane, then we'll close off.
2: Well, look, Adnan and Jane, it's been a, a huge privilege to talk to you and through you to your society. Um, I would just reiterate my points that I think that um, you know, we have to, you know, really emphasize that it's all about taking the opportunities you're given and doing the best you possibly can. You know, one of, you know, be the best you possibly can be, no matter what you're doing, because there's never been a better time, I think, and greater opportunity for you to then be seen and opportunities will come your way. But don't expect to just walk in the door and reach the top straight away. You know, it has to be a combination of talent and hard work. Yeah, it's not, you need both. Um, And, um, you know, if I can use a sporting analogy or a sporting metaphor, you have to just, you know, play the full 90 minutes, you know, and don't expect, you know, you'll just be sort of able to beat 10 men and hit the ball in the back of the net in the first minute. It's all about just hanging on in there and you'll get your rewards. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there are lots of good people out there who will be giving opportunities. So just make sure you grab them. And um, it's important that you know, role models are made visible to people to, just to demonstrate that it is possible. And that itself is a huge uplift, because people say, ah, I can make it to the top in these professions. You know, so just knowing that other people have gone before you, I think is a huge confidence builder. So wish everybody you know, best of luck in their endeavors. And I'm sure you'll, you know, I'm talking to future leaders of all the professions. And you know, I'm sure I'll maybe meet them one of these days.
1: That's a very nice one. <laughs> That's a very nice way to go about. Yeah. And at the most part, I think I would answer the thing you already said about the So when you meet other people and when you go up in life, you find people that are doing the things that you would like to learn from them and as much, learn those things as much, pick up those skills so that no, no matter wherever you, you find yourself, can as well make use of those skills as much. So yeah, I, I really, really, really love that. And um, I'm very grateful and on, on behalf of everyone at Cardiff University Student Union, um, I just want to say thank you very much for granting us this interview and thank you very much for showing up and showing out really. Um, I w- well, we are very grateful. To be and I, I especially am very grateful for that you found the time
0: So thank you very much thank you thank you very much david thank you much uh very much jane um especially from the afro-caribbean society as well i'd just like to thank everyone for making this happen and as we come to the close of black history month and this whole series we just like to thank every single person for their support and making this series possible And hopefully next year we can actually make this a bit of a tradition and we'll be getting out new podcasts for you every single Black History Month, bringing some of the best guests uh, to you. But without further ado, thank you you everyone uh, for listening. We hope that you have a wonderful morning or evening and in general day, wherever you may be. And, you know, we'll see you next time.